Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, coming to you on Friday, the 23rd of September. This is episode 268. It's going to be a Friday recap. So, I need to just go back and, I guess, touch base on a few things and maybe clarify a few things and certainly just touch on a, a few items that have come across either social media or meetings I've been in. So here we go. Rules matter, but they're also supposed to help not interfere. So I, uh, I serve on a committee and one of our jobs is to make sure that we come up with rules that are fair, easy to follow and give a, outcome that everybody can agree upon or at least nominally agree upon and it becomes difficult at times to accomplish that goal when you keep adding more and more and more words or information so we we have to work sometimes to create distinctions make sure those distinctions are plain and obvious why they exist and then create rules that delineate this is how it functions unless, of course, it's this situation, in which case it has a different set of rules. Now, I'm struck by the idea of this because this is, in theory, what Congress deals with or a judiciary deals with and that there's always some new and novel way somebody finds a workaround or finds some kind of loophole And the knee-jerk reaction is to plug the loophole or to um, stop the action. But what if the the action is showing you that you made an error in the first place? What if if the workaround is, in fact, the way it ought to be in the first place? But when you create rules, you're serving to be an impediment. Now... Uh, one of the podcasts I listened to this week talks about um, eliminating excellence by chopping down the mountains to raise the plane. And I was struck by that in the sense that we don't want people to be great. We would rather everybody just be okay or just just be a little better than average. <laughs> the irony is, is if everybody's better than average, then your average changes. But Be that as it may, the rules are supposed to delineate a good way for things to happen and guide you through a process, not make it more difficult to function. So that's that's one of the recaps and it's kind of an explanation of something I've been involved with. All right, number two, the ends don't justify the means. Now we've all heard this, right? We're well, well aware of this. And we're always looking for the exception to that, right? Well, you know, they had uh, chemical weapons or they had weapons of mass destruction. So, yes, of course we have to declare an aggressive war. Well, really? Maybe? I don't know. So, what do I mean by this? Okay, so if we've been paying attention for the last, I don't know, six or eight months at this point, who knows, Russia's been doing a special military action 
within the neighboring country of Ukraine. And Ukraine, of course, is being utilized by NATO, the EU, and the United States to be the killing fields, for lack of a better phrase. And I said early on, I don't believe that either side is innocent in this deal. And I don't, and I don't necessarily think that Putin equals Hitler, which if anything would equal Stalin and he's far from it. Likewise, I don't believe that Ukraine is innocent, much less NATO or uh, the EU. So the question is, is what are the ends they're seeking? Well, I'm certain that Russia would like a buffer state. I'm certain that they would like to protect their fellow Russians. Those seem to be rather obvious, simple answers. But what does Zelensky or the Ukrainians desire out of this scenario? One would expect that they're looking to get a good deal out of the EU or NATO. Uh, They're looking for protection from their bigger cousin. Um, Perhaps... Some of it's motivated by trying to hide all the dirty laundry of the West. Some of it's maybe motivated by just cashola payoffs. We really don't know. I think it's a legitimate question. I, I think it's something that we ought to be concerned about. I listened to an episode of Tom Woods earlier this week, and he had a guest on, and they basically talked about how the West provoked this war. They just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and Russia had enough. I mean, that's that's one way to interpret the events. I mean, again, I believe both sides are not innocent and not fully guilty. This also would go with the old adage that it takes two to tango, right? When you get in a fight with somebody, it's very rare that one person just comes in and starts a fight and the other person has no idea what's going on or why it happened. But that's what we're being sold. That's what we're being told all the time. And again, this goes back to my reoccurring theme is you should never trust the government or the media when they tell you something, even if it confirms a bias that you may have, they get everything wrong. I suspect it's largely on purpose because they're trying to drive their narrative. I I suspect it's they're just trying to push people to helplessness, but I'm not there. I'm not going to go there. And You can try and scare me and manipulate me all you want. I'm just, I'm not going to go there. All right, next up. Good luck to the candidates. So I mentioned, I don't know, several weeks ago that I was interested in interviewing the guy running for county judge. And I've been paying attention and... I just don't know that that's a good fit. I don't don't know that I would get anything out of it. I don't know that my listeners would get anything out of it. And I'm not talking about money because I'm not making any money. Uh, I'm not even talking about adding new listeners because I doubt that's the case. But I just don't know that I would benefit, that I would learn anything or that it would be useful to me personally, much less my listeners. So I'm still trying to determine if I want to try and make some time for that. But on the flip side, it's become increasingly clear to me that I don't want to really help this guy. 
I mean, I wish him good luck. I appreciate that somebody's willing to throw their hat in the ring anytime, even if I don't necessarily support them or agree with them. I think we need to have people running. We need to have candidates. We need to have people willing to make the sacrifice to do that. And if we immediately poo-poo them or we immediately pile on them or we immediately ostracize them, we're only seeking to reinforce that which we already have, which hasn't been working that great for us. In that uh, specific race, i got to tell you, I have a favorite. He's the current judge. Been real happy with the guy. He's done a lot of good things. He's perfect? No. Probably as close to perfect as I know of an elected official that I interact with. But that's still a long way from being perfect. So, I just, I'm struggling to find the value. So, we're going we're gonna to put a pause button on that. Um, we've got a whole slew of nonpartisan races coming up. I got to f- gear up for that and find a good uh, way to do that. Um, the other thing that you know is kind of interesting to me is <sighs> there's been a couple of changes made in the balloting. Uh, of course, they're all legal, like of course, but you know we fight long and hard to get good candidates, and it's it's not lost on me that they continuously. Um, find ways to interfere with us getting the better candidate across the finish line, whether it's in the primary or the general. And then the reaction is, well, you still have to support us. Yeah, I, I guess. But why would I go out of my way? I wish you good luck. Shake your hand. And if you're on my team, great. I'm glad to have you. If you're not on my team, well, I hope you lose, but I'm still going to treat you nice and be fair to you. But, geez, again, these so-called nonpartisan races, that's where the big thing's coming. It's going to be next year, and I just don't know that I want to wear myself out trying to chase down a bunch of people to interview them between now and November when, quite frankly, it's not going to make any difference in Collin County, in my humble opinion. But good luck to you all. All right, next item on the agenda here. Still no end to the drama with the schools. So, it's not lost on me that the the local school districts are a mess. And, of course, the conservatives are in an utter panic now. How do we fix this? Oh, we got to run our own people. we got to take back over the school districts. But I'm here to tell you, The reason we got into this position is because we weren't paying attention. We, We talk about how much we value our kids and we sacrifice for our kids, but we turn them over to the government. We let government educate them. We let government write the rules. We let government determine what's best for our children to learn. And we question, well, what went wrong here? How did we miss this? Because you trusted government. Now, for those of you left to center, you know, hey, you got what you wanted. You should be happy. Now, little Johnny or little Janie might not be able to read very well or may not understand certain content. Hey, but they're good drones. Don't you worry. And they can go find their uh, <clears throat> sex on their own time. And, oh, by the way, uh, they applaud that flag. But again, not a functioning person in society when they're older, but eh, they made you happy. 
There's so many things that are going on, so many fronts. And honestly, I'm going to just revisit this again. If you want to solve the problem, get out of the government schools. If you can't, there are ways. There are ways. You can. There are different private schools. There's different co-ops. There's there's ways. It depends on what you're willing to sacrifice. And not everybody's willing to sacrifice enough or has the time to sacrifice enough or maybe there's some other impediment like a single parent or whatever else we get that we all understand that these are the people that we need to be seeking out to help and put in the right spot these are the people that are most interested in actually doing what's best for their children so i'm not sure why we would uh, go all in to fight over the carcass of government education now the same government education that has hmm 50 to $100 million to build up a new stadium, but just can't seem to do a decent background check on their employees. Or, oh, well, somebody did something naughty here, but hey, don't worry, we're just sweep it under the rug and protect us from a lawsuit. Oh, well, you know, we don't exactly have a rule in place for that or a procedure for how to handle that. Hey, but that's okay, because now we're not liable. I'm sorry, but that's just bass backwards. Who thought that would be a good idea? Who thought that that's hmm, an appropriate way to run a school district or any large organization? And for those of you out there that are just now figuring out what's going on, particularly in my home school district here in McKinney, if you are upset with the amount of money that they spent on a stadium, if you're upset with the way they've allocated those funds to actually educate your children and or grandchildren. If you don't find the direction the school district is going to be a good way, rest assured you'll have an opportunity very soon to replace three of those members of the school board. Now, we hired three people on the school board this last go-round. All three are new. Two of the three were thought to be reformers. Turns out, eh, really only one of the three is. And two of the three that were at least supposed to be a fresh view and maybe um, have some new ideas, ah, they've been somewhat disappointing. Now, I can't hate on them. They've only been there, you know, what, 20 months now or whatever it is, 18 months. But the other four have been there for terms, and particularly three of them for a decade or two at this time. And all this stuff that's happened has been on their watch. Yet we continue to reelect them and expect a different outcome. Ideally, these local school districts that have all these problems would be firing their superintendent since they hired the superintendent to run and be responsible for all that goes on in the school district. And if the superintendent does a bad job, they shouldn't get to keep their job, much less get a raise. But again, In the city of McKinney, that's the way we do things. (sighs) And finally, in case you're wondering, yes, it is expensive. Things are going up, whether it's your water bill, your gas bill, your electrical bill, whether it's interest rates, whether it's the rents, whether it's gas, whether it's food, everything's gone up. Now, it's tempting to blame O'Biden, right? Oh, yeah. The resident in chief, it's his fault. Well, maybe, maybe not. 
I mean, maybe 5% or 10% it's his fault, but got to deal with the idea of the Federal Reserve and the way they keep creating money out of thin air. You got to deal with the fact that Congress, both the Republicans in Congress and the Democrats in Congress, don't seem to really care about how much money they spend. They just throw money around like there's no tomorrow. And eventually that catches up with you. Eventually, you've debased the currency enough that it fails. Eventually, you have interest rates that must go up because everybody is under the uh, suspicion that you won't be able to pay off your debts, and it's a much bigger risk. Eventually, your payments on your debt are going to surpass everything else. Oh, wait, I think we already did. But eventually, it can't go on. Eventually, it's going to collapse. Right now, things cost anywhere between, let's call it nice round numbers, 10 and 20% more than what they did a year ago. Now, some of that, to be sure, could be laid at the feet of the resident in chief. Some of it could be laid on the feet of the war in Europe. Some of it could be laid at the feet of after effects of the uh, last health scare we had. And all that may be true, but when government policy dictates how we're able to live our lives, when government policy dictates how banks are able to function, when government policy dictates where you can live and how you can live, at a certain point, when are you going to wake up and realize that the capitalistic lives or society that we thought we have really doesn't exist? When are we going to smell the coffee of the fascism that we embrace so heartedly it never ceases to amaze me and and this is related but a slightly different uh topic here the people that criticize capitalism say how it's terrible and we shouldn't do that and we should adopt some form of socialism and their rebuttal for their socialism is well real socialism has never been tried real real uh communism has never been tried Okay, well, my rebuttal is real capitalism's never been tried. A real <clears throat> free market society has never been tried. How about we try that? We know what happens when socialism or communism doesn't quite get it right. Hundreds of millions of people dead. That's what it means. What does it mean when a capitalistic society doesn't quite get it right? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Just so we are clear. Yeah, I know slavery, but that was under a mercantilistic system that predates any kind of free market capitalistic society. So if you want to blame anybody for that, blame the mercantilists. Or if you prefer, you can go back to the people that, I don't know, sold people into slavery if you want to blame somebody. But that's an entirely different story altogether. I I don't have time for it. And I guess finally, related but not related. So unfortunately, in every state in this union, we're left with the same question every two to four years. Do I vote for the evil party or the stupid party? In the case you're not sure what that means, the evil party is the party I don't belong to. I belong to the stupid party. And by stupid party, I mean we find ways to lose things we ought to win. And then when we win things, we just don't know how we did it. And we seem to forget for the next time we want to try and win something. 
So I read an interesting post by an acquaintance of mine. And it's not like it's unique to him. It's not like it's the first time that I've seen something like this. And that's all well and good. But it reminded me. So who's the bigger problem? Your enemy. Or let's just what which group is the bigger problem? Okay. The one that's ostensibly your enemy because they literally have people on their team that want you dead. They want to kill you. In fact, there are people on their team that literally want to wipe out 80% of humanity because, you know, carbon. And they don't really care about any way to get there whatsoever. Oh, they may lie and say that they care about the poor. They may lie and say that they value individualism and we want everybody to celebrate their deviancy the way they want to celebrate it. But the reality is they're a culture of death and they celebrate death. The other team, the stupid team, if you will, they're not perfect. Some of them put on an air of being godly. Some of them, um, quite frankly, pretend to be godly. But they fail. And some don't represent very well because they're failing. Now, we routinely pass them off as hypocrites or bad examples or problematic or whatever your favorite term is to describe them. And clearly, if you're in the Christian worldview, you see one is antichrist and the other one is perhaps a false Christ, right? We're talking about strictly the worst way to look at it. So the antichrist is very easy to see, ignore and or avoid. The false Christ can be very deceptive and can bring you in and lead you astray. And I think that's a valid concern. I really do. And clearly that's something that people need to be warned about. And people need to be concerned that a lot of those people do inhabit the stupid party. But overall, even if we split it 50-50, that half of them are just truly evil and are up to no good. And the other half are just naive or rubes, or whatever your pejorative is of choice, don't know any better. They're not anti-Christ. So we're, quote, allowed to live within their rule. We're allowed to function under their poor leadership. Now, one would believe, maybe, that we can fix that, particularly in the half that are just deceived or misled. And the other half, they may not be ever redeemable. They may, in fact, go in and reveal themselves to actually be part of the evil team, right? Now, I can think of a few individuals that that may apply to at this point. And I don't necessarily want to throw them under the bus by claiming that they're evil. But when you lie to people, when you deceive people, and when you're secretly working against your team, 
That's kind of evil. And you may recall, I talked about a movie that I watched about, you know, a guy that was convinced that he heard from God directly and he went about leading his flock astray and they, they tried to reel him in. They tried to give him an opportunity, but nope, nope, nope. He knew better. And fortunately, the vast majority of his flock saw through that and went other places. So it is my sincere hope that the vast majority of the flock that belongs to the stupid party sees these people for who they are and eventually kicks them to the curb. And when you're given a choice between evil and stupid, sometimes it's hard to make a decision. But I would much rather deal with somebody that's stupid than somebody that wants me dead. That's why it makes my decision quite easy most of the time. Well, I didn't need to be a downer, but that was a little review, a little week in review, if you will, on the Friday recap. This was episode 268. If you found this uh, somewhat entertaining, enlightening, you felt maybe you got a little educational benefit out of this, or you just find it uh, enjoyable that uh, I can prattle on for about 30 minutes at a whack, you can like, subscribe, share comment. You know what? If you have something that you'd like me to riff off of, send it in. I'm game. I'll do it. Uh, A few listener generated shows would be kind of fun, but in either case, you have a great weekend. And until Monday, I will see you on the other side.